Section number 18 of Other People's Lives. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Other People's Lives by Rosa Nushet Carey. Book 7 The Aftermath. It was the general opinion in Sandylands that from the hour Miss Patience died, the vicar was an altered man. It was as though some blight had crept over him, some chill despondency that robbed him of strength and energy. His work no longer interested him, and the dust gathered on his beloved books to outward appearance he was only a little more silent and stately and only the friends who loved him and watched him closely guessed that the canker of some secret sorrow was eating out all the sweetness of his life the silence and loneliness of the vicarage oppressed him strangely when twilight came and he sat brooding in the red firelight it would seem to him sometimes as though he felt some gentle shadowy presence beside him as though he were to turn his head he would see patience looking at him with her tender pathetic smile at times the impression was so strong on him that he would rise from his chair abruptly and pace up and down the room to rouse himself dearly as he had loved her he had never realized that he would miss her so intensely or that her sweet personality had been the great comfort of his life her affection had made her center all her strongest affections and interests on the brother who so needed her care and it was only now when he had lost her that evelyn wentforth gauged rightly the depth of that selfish devotion if i had only done more for her he would say to himself and the remembrance of those long silent evenings when she had sat knitting contentedly beside him as he read book after book rose vividly before him why had he been so forgetful and selfish why had he not laid down his book sometimes to talk to her because in her divine patience she had never asserted any claim it is late evelyn and i must bid you good night do not sit up too late my dear that had been her simple formula night after night how small and white her face had looked and what weary lines these were under her eyes my poor poor patience he would sigh and a passionate longing to atone for past neglect would sweep over him some verses the little sister once showed him in a favorite book haunted him perpetually the hands were such dear hands they are so full they turn at our demand 
so often they reach out with trifles scarcely thought about so many things they do for me for you if their fond wills mistake we may well bend not break one september evening the little sister crossing the churchyard on her way from sandy point saw the vicar standing before the marble cross with his eyes fixed on the graven word Fata, something in his attitude and expression appealed to her and after a moment's hesitation she crossed the grass border and joined him he greeted her with a quiet smile evidently her presence chimed in harmoniously with his thoughts ah he said you were a good friend to her claire you understood her she owed to you all the comfort of her last months you did more for her than i did all my life i think not returned the little sister quietly you gave dear patience just what she needed an object in life if my brother had married my life would have been more lonely she said that to me one evening not long before she died but i have had him all to myself and so it has been full to the brim i have not to think of myself at all only of him dear mr wentworth it is not like you to be morbid i think mr cornish is right and that it is not good for you to be so much alone it is good for no man returned the vicar but he spoke absently and the cloud that had been raised for a moment settled on him again when the little sister had left him he walked back to the vicarage he remembered that his friend cornish was to arrive by late train that evening but for once even this anticipation failed to move him from his depression he was out of gear bodily and mentally and though he battled bravely against an overwhelming sense of weariness and dejection he was conscious that the enemy was too strong for him that his nerve was failing him and that he must have change or relief or he would break down utterly but it was not only his sister's loss that was pressing on him so heavily that meeting with marion brett more than a year before had reopened his old wound cruelly why had she crossed the threshold of his lonely home that home she had refused to bless why had she stepped out into the sunshine like some strange angel only to embitter his waking hours with feverish longing to see that dear face again marion you have been my blessing and my curse my torment and my delight he would groan within himself and there were times when his burden lay so heavy upon him that he would pray that he might cease to love her but the next moment he would shudder at his own hearsay for he was by nature strong and faithful 
and believed in the immortality of a noble love she is mine for she gave herself to me and one day i shall have her for my own he would say to himself patience sweet soul was hard on her she could not understand marion's complex nature but when she angered me most i still did her justice with all her faults and mistakes she is a noble woman when douglas cornish saw his friend's face that evening there was a quick sudden gleam of some strong feeling in the keen hawk-like eyes but his greeting was as cool and quiet as though they had met the previous day i hope my telegram did not put you out wentworth he observed but i had a spare day and i thought it would be profitably spent in looking you up but as the professor went up to his old room to get rid of the dust of his journey he thought how tired and haggard evelyn was looking this place will kill him in time i must get him up to oxford and find him some work he is eating his heart out in this dreary old vicarage and then he stood still and looked out at the dark firs i must tell him i suppose but i fear he will worry over it and he looks pretty bad now still in his place and here the professor shook himself impatiently as though the decision troubled him but all through dinner he was his old eloquent self and more than once barry smiled to himself as he waited at the sideboard as though the flavor of the old oxford days were sweet to him but though the vicar listened and responded no ringing boyish laugh hailed the racist joke it was one of those still fragrant nights in september a brilliant harvest moon hung like a golden lamp in the dark sky the air was steeped with the sweet resinous perfume of the firs and the mingled scents of late blooming flowers when the vicarage garden had been planted a small portion of the fir woods had been enclosed here on the hottest summer's day there was a cool shady retreat in accordance with patience's wish a rustic bench and table had been placed here and a grassy bank planted thickly with primroses and wild hyacinth stretching to the garden terrace it was a favorite spot with both the brother and sister patience would call it her woodland parlor and there she would sit with her work and book while the wood pigeons cooed to her unheard or the rabbits would flash across the clearing popping in and out of their holes quite fearlessly on fine summer evenings the vicar loved to smoke his pipe there and by mutual consent he and the professor turned their steps towards the wild garden the moon was flooding the terraces with silver light and the gray walls of the vicarage looked grand and medieval in the transforming radiance as they sat down 
both men had become suddenly silent the vicar weary with his effort to appear like his ordinary self had suddenly relapsed into his old melancholy and the professor puffing slowly at his pipe was saying to himself i suppose i may as well tell him now but before he could get the first words out the vicar turned round suddenly by the way cornish he said rather abruptly i wanted to ask you something have you seen anything of miss brett lately mr cornish started and a dark flush crossed his brow why wentworth he said with a nervous laugh it must have been transmission of thought i was just going to tell you something about her you will be sorry to hear that she has had a rather bad accident was it the moonlight that made the vicar look so pale an accident he repeated and douglas cornish saw the hand next to him clench and unclench itself as though some acute pain had seized him and then under his breath i have heard nothing who is there who would take the trouble to tell me and then with sudden irritation as though his endurance was too tightly strained why do you keep me waiting like this i must know everything everything my dear fellow you shall know all that i can tell you but there is no need for you to be anxious now miss brett is better she has had capital nursing i saw the doctor myself i went down to st margaret's directly i heard about it that was only last week and of course all the fuss and danger was over ah she was in danger then in danger and i never knew the vicar's tone was so full of bitterness and suppressed anguish that the professor winced as he heard it my dear wentworth we none of us knew it for the matter of that we are all liable to accidents who of us can predict safely what may happen to him in the next four and twenty hours let me tell you everything as i heard it one of the grey ladies or sisters as i think they call them told me exactly how it happened one moment cornish did you see marion herself no rather reluctantly she was not strong enough for that i think she was lying down she is still weak and pulled down good heavens marion weak and she never had a day's sickness in her life there go on cornish and i will try not to interrupt you but do not keep me on the rack long i will do my best replied the professor rather sadly but i wish you could have heard it from that little grey-eyed sister she was such a kind chirpy little body miss brett was in splendid condition that day she had been working hard in the slums and at tea-time she had seemed in excellent spirits and so full of her work that she could talk of nothing else 
there was a night school that evening and she went to it as usual and sister miriam the little gray-eyed sister was with her just before the hour for closing came there was a sudden alarm of fire and the engine dashed past of course all the men and boys rushed out and miss brett with her usual impulsiveness followed them and after a moment's hesitation sister miriam locked the door and went too i thought sister marion would get into mischief without me she said and then with a little laugh that was half a sob but i was too late the crowd separated us and i could not get near her it was one of those closely packed tenements in mandeville street that was on fire and strange to say it was the very house where miss brett had spent the greater part of the day when sister miriam caught sight of her she was near the firemen and one of them had handed her two children she seemed directing the men for a bystander heard her say it is on the third floor and the woman is bedridden and there is a paralyzed man too and after a delay and a great deal of anxious watching the helpless creatures were brought out this was all sister miriam could tell me from her own observation the rest was only gleaned from the lookers-on one of the firemen had been dangerously injured and then it was said that the staircase was burning the next moment a poor distracted woman's voice was heard in the crowd screaming out for harry and the baby miss brett heard it and recognized the voice it belonged to a young widow one of her special favorites the poor creature had been out charring and had left children in a neighbor's care no one had seen the children and not a man dared to re-enter the house they had to hold the poor mother by force the smoke will have suffocated them long ago exclaimed one sympathizing irishwoman sure nora avick the darlings are safe in paradise with the blessed mary the mother of sorrows but at this moment a tremendous shout and cheering broke out for there black and grimed scarcely recognizable stood sister marion with two children in her arms but as she tottered towards them some one saw her sway and caught her before she fell the boy was crying with terror but otherwise unhurt but the baby she held so tightly to her breast was dead something heavy had fallen and struck it for they found a cruel wound on the little head and marion oh my god and marion my dear fellow how she escaped with her life was a miracle but no one can induce her to say much i went through a hell but i knew the children were at the other side that was all she said and i thought of the burning fiery furnace and asked the dear lord to take care of me and you say 
the poor baby is dead my little goddaughter but i knew nothing i saw nothing only the roar and hiss of the long red serpents everywhere and is she hurt yes of course one side and arm were badly burned and what she suffered for days and nights only her doctors and nurses know but they pulled her through it was the shock to the system you see and then she strained herself carrying those children she had only the use of one arm the other was powerless do you mean it was broken yes very reluctantly it was broken by the same falling beam that killed the baby but it was the burns that caused her the worst suffering she was in the hospital five weeks but now she is back at st margaret's her arm is going on well though it will be months before she will be able to use it with comfort and she strained herself you say yes but she has got over that now she has been very ill wentworth it is no good denying that but she has turned the corner and is mending fast they say that she is very much changed and that her weakness seems to puzzle and distress her she is very low-spirited and frets a great deal about the baby being weak things get hold of her she has an idea that it is her fault somehow there i have told you all i have kept nothing back nothing are you sure are you quite sure of that cornish then as the professor hesitated his face round upon him sternly out with it man we know each other well enough by this time there must be no reservation there is little more to tell returned the other slowly i saw the doctor he was a man of few words but i understood from what he said that at one time they had been extremely anxious yes yes and now well she will not be fit for work for a long time to come the nerves have suffered from the shock and he certainly has his doubts whether she will ever be her strong capable self again at one time they think that she believed herself dying for she called sister miriam to her if i get worse will you send for mr wentworth the vicarage sandylands there is something that i must tell him before i go and though sister miriam promised her faithfully that she would do so she was not certain that she was not wandering is his name evelyn she asked me for all that first terrible night we heard her say that name perpetually then wentworth on my honour i have told you all i know myself and mr cornish rose a little abruptly perhaps because the man beside him had hidden his face in his hands and something like a choked sob reached his ears he has taken it hard 
the professor murmured to himself as he walked slowly back to the house good god how could she have the heart to play with a man like evelyn wentworth and to spoil his life taking it hard all the rest of his life the vicar never remembered that night without a shudder the moonlight faded the gray walls of the vicarage became invisible and still he sat on half stupefied and benumbed by dull aching anguish until his limbs trembled and when he rose to his feet he tottered like an old man the damp wood had chilled him but some thoughtful hand had kindled a fire in the study and had placed some wine and food on the table he took some to strengthen himself then he went to his desk and wrote a few lines rapidly marion i have only to-night heard that terrible story we are friends nothing can alter that and friends should share each other's trouble may i come and see you perhaps i may be able to comfort you a little in your hour of weakness your faithful brother in christ evelyn wentworth and then when he had enclosed the note in an envelope he stole softly out of the vicarage and walked across the dark sleeping village and posted it before the professor left the answer came they were on the terrace together waiting until barry summoned them to breakfast when a letter with the london postmark was placed in the vicar's hand the writing on the envelope was unknown to him but inside there was a slip of paper penciled by marion brett herself dear friend was all it said it was good of you to write i should like to see you but you will find me a sad wreck marion two hours later the vicar had taken leave of the professor and was on his way to the station and it was still early in the afternoon when he walked up tudor street and knocked at the door of st margaret's home the young girl who admitted him ushered him into a little waiting-room and begged him to sit down until sister miriam was at leisure but the ten minutes that elapsed before she made her appearance seemed to him endless when the little grey-eyed woman at last entered he recognized her at once from his friend's description you are sister miriam he said eagerly i hope you have good news for me miss brett and i are very old friends when i heard of that terrible accident i felt i must come and see her at once sister marion is expecting you mr wentworth she returned gently she knows you are here she is better every day she gets more like herself but you must prepare yourself for a shock she is sadly changed do you mean and here a great tinge overspread the vicar's face that her accident has disfigured her no oh no returned sister miriam hastily thank god her dear face has not suffered 
but she is so weak and can bear so little and at times her depression is sad to witness when you see her you will understand things for yourself but i will not keep you from her any longer and then she led the way talking cheerfully all the time down a long matted passage and opened the door of a pleasant little sitting-room overlooking a green narrow strip of garden there was a couch by the window and there propped up by pillows lay marion brett perhaps the vicar's eyes were a little dim or the light bewildered him but that first moment he saw nothing but gray draperies and a black sling and the shining of auburn hair under the cap border but when she turned and looked at him and their eyes met a great stab of pain went through his heart and unconsciously he fell on his knees beside her oh my poor child was all he said but at the sound of that pitying voice a sob came to her wan lips and her hand clasped his wrist almost convulsively evelyn she whispered in a hoarse frightened voice that was scarcely recognized i have been in the valley of the shadow of death but it was you that i wanted when i thought i was dying i felt i could not die without your forgiveness and yet how was i to live in such torture oh what i suffered and then the horrible dread and fear suffered it needed no words to tell him that the white pinched face of the woman he loved so hopelessly the frightened sunken look of the beautiful eyes told their own piteous tale marion brett who had so gloried in her strong personality lay before him broken in heart and nerve and helpless as a little child evelyn she went on almost clinging to him with her feeble grasp for he was speechless with trouble did you hear me i was frightened frightened for the first time in my life i was afraid to die and now and here another sob almost choked her words i am afraid to live what is the use of life when one only makes mistakes i have so prayed to be of use in the world to be a blessing and to bless other lives but what good have i done and now my strength is gone and my work has gone too no no he returned for this roused him to quick urgent speech you shall not say such things to me i know you too well to believe them you have been a heroine if ever woman was one when men refused to enter that fiery hell you went in at the peril of your sweet life and brought the children out and then in his deep reverence he bent over her with worshipping eyes and pressed his lips to the silk sling that held the bandaged arm 
in the name of him whom i serve i bless you for that deed of love as all true hearts will bless you she lay silent for a moment as though his words had soothed her but the next minute the look of pain and confusion returned again but the baby was dead surely you know that evelyn yes dear i know that but it was no fault of yours how could you have saved her from that falling beam when your poor arm was broken if god's angel had not guided you neither you nor the boy would have escaped alive then he felt her shudder all over it was a miracle she said in a low bewildered voice and a wan smile came to her lips the flames were all around us everywhere hundreds of red serpents twining over our heads and the heat and suffocation were dreadful sometimes even now i start from my sleep with a scream and think i hear that terrible roar yes i know but you must try to forget it marion listen to me a moment these fears this horror this nameless dread that oppresses you are only signs of misery and tortured nerves they are the ransom you are paying for the boy's life it is a martyrdom that you are suffering you poor soul but it will pass no no ah but as god's minister i tell you that it will all your life my poor marion you have loved your own will and have sought to walk in your own paths but providence is giving you this humbling lesson of weakness you see i am not afraid to speak the truth to you no you were always true she murmured half to herself and then there came a wonderful brightness to her face i am your friend and friends should be true but marion i have talked enough you are very feeble but to-morrow i will come again and then in tender solemn words he blessed her and went away and that night she enjoyed a few hours of untroubled sleep for the first time since her accident this was the beginning of evelyn wentworth's ministry to the woman he loved two or three days afterwards he found a locum tenens for his parish in an old college friend and put him in possession then he took a lodging for himself near tudor street and day after day he sat in marion brett's little sitting-room reading or talking to her no one does her so much good sister miriam would say i think she counts the hours until you come but evelyn wentworth only smiled a little sadly when he heard this but it was no easy task even for his loving and faithful nature to minister to the diseased and weary mind he would leave her in the evening braced and cheered and with almost a smile on her lips but the next day the puzzled look of pain 
in her eyes would bring back his heartache oh evelyn i have had bad dreams again she would say how am i to live through these nights and sometimes she would break out into piteous weeping and beg him to pray that she might die for existence was too terrible a burden for her to bear it was sadly uphill work but he never lost patience with her gently as one would speak to a bewildered child he would go over the old arguments it is the heavy price you are paying for the boy's life and then he would praise her and tell her that she was noble and a heroine until the old lovely smile came to the poor trembling lips but often his own heart felt ready to break will she ever get over it he asked the doctor once he was a scotchman and rather taciturn he frowned over the vicar's question she is mending every day he returned at last but i begin to fear that she will never be fit for work again she must take life more easily and enjoy herself that is what i tell her saint margaret's will get on very well without her it is not a sisterhood and she is as free as i am yes i know macpherson but then you see her heart is in her work how are we to interest her in anything else my dear mr wentworth that is more your providence than mine but when a woman has been on the brink of brain fever and has had such a shock she is likely to be shelved for a year or two you must get her away from here to some quiet seaside place where she can be amused without fatigue sister miriam is an excellent nurse and will go with her and after a time this plan was carried out and lodgings were taken for her at st leonard's it was not possible for the vicar to neglect his work any longer but every week he spent a few hours with her he knew how welcome his visits were and each time he came he was cheered by the decided improvement in her evelyn she said to him once as they sat together by the window on a late november afternoon i cannot bear to think of all the trouble i am giving you these long journeys every week just to brighten up a poor invalid and to give her a few hours of enjoyment you are so good so good no one else would heap coals of fire on such an unworthy creature and i take it all as though it were my right and then she began to weep in the old miserable way marion he said softly and something in his tone seemed to check her tears do not cry so bitterly i want to speak to you am i really good to you my darling then a quick blush came to her thin face you have been goodness itself 
how could i have lived through this dreadful time without you then give me my reward he returned as he drew her towards him give me the right to watch over you marion i have loved you all my life i think no other woman has ever been more truly loved for your sake i have been a lonely man without wife or child but i cannot face a lonely old age then she shrank from him almost in silence and covered her burning face with her hands as you are strong be merciful do not tempt me evelyn why not my dearest because because i might be weak enough to yield she whispered because i love so dearly to be with you and it would be such rest and comfort but i will not do it never never how could i bring myself to do such a shameful thing in the days of my health and strength i left you and broke your heart and now am i to be a burden to you in my weakness but he checked all further speech marion beloved he said almost solemnly as he looked into the deep beautiful eyes it is no use my will is stronger than yours we will never separate again you and i until death us do part you are mine mine in heart and mind as i am yours and if i loved you in the days of strength i love you far more dearly now in your weakness and sadness and then as he kissed her the chrism of victorious love seemed to flood her very soul with sweetness and so in the fresh springtime marion brett became evelyn wentworth's wife people sometimes said that it was a pity that mrs wentworth was such an invalid and that her husband was obliged to wait on her but douglas cornish who came constantly to the vicarage never shared this opinion he knew that for the first time in his life evelyn's heart was at rest that the woman he had loved so passionately all those weary years had become his dearer and second self they had no thoughts apart in her husband's absence marion drooped and pined you have given me new life she once said to him i owe all my peace and happiness to you how should i ever have struggled through that awful darkness without the help of your dear hand and you are really happy dearest he asked in spite of all your limitations weak health and the pain in that poor arm then as she looked in his face he needed no other answer for he knew that she was truly and utterly content and that his wife was a happy woman end of section 18 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc end of other people's lives by rosa nuchet carey